0: Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. He's a good father. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Yeah, I know I mean in this time, it's like uh, the church is in a, in a major battle because Christianity seems to be on the wane and there's these philosophies that are rising up in the land. I, I don't worry about that. You just preach the truth, you preach Christ crucified, and the miracles follow, and that messes up the world system. You know what I mean? The enemy don't like miracle signs and wonders. He doesn't like the uh, message of the cross. That's why a lot of churches water it down, because they live in fear. But really, everything follows the preaching of the cross. So I stand here today just saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. (laughs) He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And I had a lot of sins. I was really a wild sinner. I really was. Uh, I only came to Christ at 32. And that was because I was, I was in the middle of a suicide attempt when I was 30. It took me two more years. But at the age of 30, I was in a closet. My first marriage had fallen apart. I had two daughters from that. I actually have seven children. One 21-year-old, 18-year-old right now. And uh, my first marriage went down bad. The actual last day that we were together was September 11th, 2001. That was our last. Imagine the day the towers came down was the day my marriage ended. And that was the hardest day of my life. Um, and that one year after that occurred, I never had my daughters anywhere near me because now they were living probably the distance of here to uh, the north coast of Australia away from me. And I went into a lot of trauma. Um, there's a long story there, but I actually am very educated. Um, I have three, almost three degrees. Uh, half of a Bible school degree. <laughs> I spent two years in Bible school. I think I have one course left, and I might have a diploma or something. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> but I, I, when I got kicked out of the first church which I got kicked out of once other two. I got kicked out of that church twice. (laughs) The first time wasn't good enough, you know what I mean? (laughs) I was 22. I got kicked out because I was was pretty angry. I was an angry young man. I grew up. My parents were divorced when I was six years old. I was abandoned by my mom and my dad. Uh, My mom left for three months. I didn't see her. Uh, and then my dad left and I was with my grandparents and that created a real bitter pill in my heart which stayed there and not on top of that I got abused when I was younger than that so there was all kinds of mess going on in my life but I couldn't I couldn't see that I couldn't discern it you know what I mean it was just there it's underneath the surface but you don't know how to articulate it and it comes out in your emotions as anger or as rebellion or as rejection or whatever it is it just comes out somebody treats you in a way that feels like what it did back then and next thing you know you're two years old again screaming like you did when you were a kid (laughs) i still do just ask my wife you know what i mean i still you don't if you think i'm perfect just ask lydia lydia will go "Mm -hmm." not even close he's like not even close jesus would say the same thing i had an encounter with jesus one time And and when I, the first thing, the first time I met Jesus, he said, Darren, you're not even close yet. That's what he said. I was like, I thought I was perfect. You ever get there like you don't think you have anywhere else to go? Well, I did, okay. Maybe you're not like me, but I did. I was like, I thought I was perfect. And Jesus said, you're not even close yet. He said, you got a long way to go. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you could calm, you know, settle down a bit, Jesus. You know, not have to be so tough on me here, but I'm a tough guy. I can take it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way, just tell me the truth, God, you know? He said, you're on a path, you're going on a journey. You're not there yet, but you'll get there. Now, that's that's what I needed to hear, right? And that, and that's the word over your lives. You're not there yet. You're probably not even close, but the promise for God by his grace, he's drawing you into the secret place. You're actually in the secret place right now. The secret place really is the place of his voice. <laughs> he soothes you with the sound of his voice. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every, I tell people one of the best prophetic words, or one of the, not prophetic, but the way when God speaks to me, predominantly says to me, Darren, everything's gonna be all right. I'm like, and that's not once a day. That's like sometimes five, six, seven times a day. He's like, I'm like now. <laughs> He's right now, God. He's like, yes. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? Because at one time in my life, I was I had a lot of uh, oppression, uh, depression, anxiety, fear. I probably I ended up at one point in my life in a psychiatric ward uh on suicide watch this was after my suicide attempt ended up in a program where they tried to rewire my mind it worked for a little while but i felt that old demon coming again because really outside of christ you're in a spirituality whether you admit it or not you don't maybe have the framework or the understanding of the battle but the battle is real the unfortunate thing about Western civilization is we want to deny spirituality and say there's only what we see, which is a lie. Because half the people that say uh, there's no other spirituality are watching horror movies all the time. Right? They're going to, they're, they're trying to get freaked out and they're, and they're saying, oh, this is not real. And meanwhile, they're watching all those things in the nighttime, having horror dreams, waking up on edge, and saying it's not real, yeah, that's real. The way the battle is in the mind. Uh, the enemy is spirit. God is spirit, but our conflict and then what we see comes through the imagination and in the mind. And so, when you actually interact with the spirit realm, it's going to be through dreams and visions. It's going to be through. Uh, you know, and listen. You never mind that. You can get. You, I've had the enemy grab me. I've had angels touch me, and an angel poked me on the shoulder like that one time. I was like, (laughs) it's real. I'm just going to, how many of you had weird encounters you didn't want to tell anyone? You're like, that just happened, didn't it? Who do I tell this to now? Oh, my God, I'm not. I'm crazy. I can't believe, and then like a lot of people because what the world and the enemy, because he speaks through people, you know what I mean? He'll tell you exactly what he wants you to hear to shut you down that's your mind that there's not real or you're crazy you'll speak that over and then that'll lock you into a bad place in your emotions And, and really that's what happened to me when i was a young boy even starting probably uh could i don't know how old but let's say two three four five six all along the age i had encounters And because my parents really weren't the covering that they ought to have been, because they were wrestling with their own things, the Lord just said to somebody in this room, you're about to cross over into the promises of God. And it's going to be by the winds of change. You know what the winds of change are? Angelic help is coming your way to bring you from one place to the next. In fact, the Lord said this church is in a transition right now. And the winds of change are coming to bring you into the next season. So get ready for something. I had to release that while it was fresh in my mind. But get ready because great change is coming to shift you. You've been in this place long enough. (laughs) It's time for the shift. Amen. So we declare a shifting into overdrive to get into the next place God has for you. But be assured the angels are coming the Lord sends angels, whether you like to hear that or not, he does, you know. There are angels of prosperity, angels of healing, angels, all kinds of angels. I could teach on that, but I don't have time. I want to tell you about my healing of the mind. Uh, I I mean, I was crazy. I I mean, that was spoken over my life. And, And I really would go into trauma states where at the age of 20, 25, 30, I would become four years old again. And, and act like a four-year-old because something happened at that age where the enemy came in like a flood, like a rage, and locked me into a place where fear trapped me in that spot. And no matter what I tried to do to get out of that, it wouldn't work. I was lost. I was, lo- I was actually lost in that trauma. And, and really, I, I went back to university after I got kicked out of the church for good reason. I was angry. i feel much better now though you know (laughs) the holy spirit got me in the end you know we had revival breakout in that church among the young people and hundreds of kids got touched in a short period like a year and a half hundreds of kids got touched and that went to my head and i thought i was superman right and I thought the pastor don't know what he's talking about and I got angry and I really did I I got very angry now they they weren't very good either at you know pastor and me because they didn't understand what I was going through and a lot of times they break relationship too easily right like a dad don't throw his kid out the house for well sometimes we do you know but (laughs) We always invite them back, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I love you, kid. You know, you messed up, but come here, give me a hug. Give me a hug. You know what I mean? That's what I do to my boys. Uh, I got four sons. You got to be tough when you got four boys. I mean, four boys, uh, six, no, seven years old down to three. So that's a, quite the spread, right? I mean, one gets out of line. They all get out of line real fast. You're like, dude, settle down. Stop it. You know what I mean? And they don't listen. And then it's like, you got to take it up a notch. And then eventually it's like, they're like, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Give me a hug. I love you, boy. You're my favorite. Man, you, you just, you know, when I see you, I just, I can't believe God blessed me with those eyes. And they're like, really? So you discipline them and love them in the same moment. And that's what our God is like. Some of you are bad kids. I hate to tell you that out loud, but some of you in the room are just kids that need a little correction. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit is the perfect one to do it because He'll do it with love. Some of you have been on the run going from church to church, place to place and saying, nobody understands me. You kidding me? We're all in the same boat. It's the same arc. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I got kicked out of that church and then I went on the path of intellectualism. I did two degrees in five years. I did a philosophy and political science degree. In the middle of my philosophy degree, I studied theories for the non existence of God. And I remembered in that moment shutting God out. And a spirit of unbelief came down and rested in my heart. And no matter how I tried to get back to God, I couldn't believe anymore. And Christians couldn't speak to me because, I'm too smart. Way too smart for you guys. You can't talk to me. I can shut you down every way you speak. Nobody could speak to me. I called Christians stupid because they just did not have any intellect at all. That's where I got because of the anger, you know. I did that degree, and then I did a master's in public administration, studying all along the continuum national security, and ended up in the government of Canada, working in national security for most of my 15 years in government. And I was an auditor after September 11th, and I I studied numerically, because I was really good with numbers, the impact of September 11th on Canada. And then I was very good at doing numbers, so I was doing billion-dollar equations uh, and, and, and throughout the government to give them numbers for their things that they needed numbers for. So really, for the rest of my career, I was set up. You know what I mean? I was good at what I did, but God had other plans. <laughs> I remember one time I said to my mama, I was so proud, you know, I was like proud of myself, right? I, I came out of a poor background. I grew up in poverty, really, because my mom had me when she was 17. She became a single mom at 22, 23, and then did terrible jobs just to try to put food on the table. meant we grew up poor. And at 15, the first time I gave my heart to the Lord, I read through the Bible twice in one year, and the New Testament four more times in one year. And as I read, I came onto the wisdoms of God and i understood that the wisdoms of god would actually bring great blessings in my life you talk about revelation to walk in prosperity i knew as a poor boy i needed something and i wasn't going to get the world's money so i needed something and god showed me sam sam you know david's son remind me solomon and solomon uh, had an encounter with god and god said what do you want he said i need wisdom to administer to your people <laughs> and, and he's and because he asked that god gave him everything because he liked what he asked so i said god i need wisdom really because i was a poor boy i wanted everything else you know i didn't know what i was praying in that moment because that set me on a path toward wisdom and wisdom is painful but you need it no matter the cost Are you hearing me? No matter the cost, ask God for wisdom. Because listen, he'll take you out of your own ways and put you into his ways, but it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to die to yourself to enter into his equation. He won't take you. There's no second way with God. It's his way or no way. Are you hearing me? So he had to pull me from my own self, which which meant all that pain that I was carrying, all the rejection, all the abandonment, In order to enter into wisdom, I had to see God's way of looking at that, which meant repentance and forgiveness. I had to repent and forgive. So I remember one time my mom called me. Now I had two degrees. I was working in the highest place in government. When I worked in uh, one of those jobs, the person who I was working for was the most well-known bureaucrat in Canada, and she actually was used to bring down a government that was corrupt. And so I'm working for her in the moment of that. Are you hear me? So we were like in Canada one of the most powerful organizations in Canada. She knew my work and she knew my name. And that's that's where I was and I I called my mom called me one time and I answered the phone like a bureaucrat, you know. <laughs> I knew it was my mom, but I was just answering it like, you know, she wanted to hear. I said, "Mom?" And I'm an atheist now. What do you think, mom? I came out of all that. I got all this education. I'm working in this place. She goes, hmm, I just think you're going to be a really educated preacher one day. I was like, shut up. I didn't want to hear that. You know what I mean? I was like, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. I really didn't, but a part of me really did. You know what I mean? I, I love the church now. Like At one time, I didn't love the church because I was afraid that you would hurt me. And the fact is, you will hurt me. Remember, Jesus wouldn't give himself to me because he knew what was in them. I know I'm going to get hurt by the church, but I trust God to keep me safe. I'm in the shelter of the Most High. Even when a flood comes against me, I don't care. And this year, I've been in the middle of a lot of attacks. I had three times this year been in the middle of great storms. I was in the middle of that great storm in Sydney. I was in the middle of a great storm in, um, in England. Uh, Hurricane Italian and I was landed in Paris, France the day of the terrorist attacks <laughs> and preached and saw revival break out in Paris the same time they were gunning down terrorists nine blocks away. Whoo, Are you hearing me? Because God is able to keep you safe in the middle of the storms. Man, listen to the storms that I seen this year. Every single one of them, it was like, I can't believe I'm here. You know, you're like, I'm in the middle of this. God, why? This is my life. Like why are you? we saw the greatest miracles and outpourings of the Holy Spirit in this in these places. Are you hearing me? God wants to use you and bring you on adventures. But you have to say yes, Lord. The moment that I had an opportunity to back out of going to Paris, I was in Detroit and I heard that they had gotten down at least 60 people were dead. I would heard that and I and people were saying, you need to go home, your family, your family and family I, I said to, I called Lydia I said Lydia <laughs> I was born for this. I was born for this battle she goes and my wife is a woman of not many words, but when she speaks it's powerful she goes I have peace about this, <laughs> and I preached in uh it was five nations and uh probably like six nations in twenty six days started in the middle of a terrorist attack, ended up in the middle of a hurricane. you hear me, <laughs> but God moved powerfully. I mean we saw the most amazing miracles on that trip. I prophesied over about six hundred people during that time. Uh, people got delivered. People got healed. Amazing things. In the last year since I entered full time ministry, I've now in this one year prophesied over five thousand people, and everywhere we went, we saw miracles, uh, healings, deliverance. I was in Corinth. You know where you know Corinth, First and Second Corinthians, right? Paul lived there three years. He wrote the book of Romans there and gave the book of Romans as a scroll to a woman named Phoebe who got aboard his ship in Corinth and sailed to Rome. I stood on the pier where that likely took place. I said to God before we there, I'm not going there as a Christian tourist. I had an encounter with Paul. showed up and he he actually spoke and He said, Darren, this is in a dream. I like you. I went, I like you too. (laughs) It's really he was just acknowledging what God was doing. Are you hearing me? And that empowered me for what God had in store because my journeys are a lot like Paul's. I mean, if you look at the life of Paul, I mean he didn't care. He just went and the storms took him out, the boats out. He was beat, he was taken. Yeah, we had attacks and that. I don't care. To be quite honest with you, I'm just going trusting god's going to keep me safe some people say well where are you going how how do you choose where you go i said well somebody asked me to come how do you know them through facebook what (laughs) 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 they asked me to come through facebook and you're going yes why because god gave me a dream three days before somebody from that country told me that i would come i got the Macedonian call baby Do you know that the Macedonian call is not always easy? If you read the account, everybody's like, I want the Macedonian call. (laughs) Paul went into Macedonia, ended up in prison and beaten shortly after. And God knew that and sent them there anyway. Why? Because there's something that happens in the spirit when miracles take place, but when persecutions take place, When you suffer for the gospel, something breaks in that atmosphere. The enemy can't handle it. There's a power that's released. You are the light of the world. In Christ, when Christ is in you and when Christ is in your being, there's nothing you've got to fear. Everywhere you go, you're going to see the power of God released. If you believe it, if you don't believe it, you'll stay right here. Sunday after Sunday. Complaining about the church. They don't use me. <sighs> I could still be in Ottawa right now complaining that the church like this one didn't have me there to preach, but here I am in Melbourne preaching in one just like it. Why? Because I said yes to the call. Are you hearing me? Or you can sit back there wondering why you never get the print here when god never meant for you to be here he may, he's making it so uncomfortable for you here because he wants you to go into all the earth to preach the gospel only when i started to go did i see the wildest miracles take place if i had time i could tell you a lot of them but i was in a closet with a cord around my neck because intellectualism didn't satisfy, the power I had in government didn't satisfy me. I was lonely, I was lost, I was a, I now at this point a drug addict, I was an alcoholic, a womanizer, you name it, I was doing it. Uh, beating people up in the, in the spirit, tearing them down, shredding them apart, scaring people. People were having strokes on the job after I went into their office to, to rebuke them, you know. I was really good at it. They, they called me their bulldog. If there was an office that they couldn't get information from, they sent me in. And I would get it. i come back. My boss would swing his feet around his desk. A very intellectual guy. An Ivy League education. He had the beard. He, you know, he just looked the part. Swing it. He'd go, Darren, tell me what you got now. I said, let me tell you, boss. And they said, we sounded like robots when we talked, because we were. Are you hearing me? And we got published in all of our national newspapers, in the New York Times, even in your newspapers down here and on the BBC because of the work that we did. But that did not satisfy me. We were the toast of the office. They knew who we were, but it didn't satisfy me. I remembered in that moment, like, when was I the happiest? And I thought, when I was that youth pastor, when I saw those kids touched by the power of God, when I felt, because you remember the movings of the Spirit, you'll never forget the feeling of the peace of God. You'll never forget it, guys. You'll never forget it. Never will you forget God's presence. You can try to ignore it, but you'll never forget it. Nine years I convinced myself I didn't believe in God. I was into witchcraft, having my palm read into horoscopes. I had uh, high level Freemasons as friends. Uh, The highest level Freemason I met was a drug dealer. And he had a bag of drugs that was worth 25 grand. And he would drag that everywhere with him. And I hung out with him because I want the drugs in the bag. You know what I mean? (laughs) Tried every drug you can imagine. I went into trance bars, used to trance out, get information in the Spirit and use it the next day at meetings and tear people up. And I'm just telling you the truth right now. And it wasn't a good life because I was not happy. Thank you, Lord. I was hanging in that closet and I was was being tormented by the devil. I know you didn't want to hear the devil out loud. (laughs) You didn't just say devil, (laughs) they say devil. There are devils all through the land. Whether you want to admit it or not, the devil is real and so is hell. I've seen it. You don't want to go there. I'm not preaching hell and fire, but there's hell and fire. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's a real place, it's a real destination. It's not on my bucket list. You know, it's not like a place I want to go. Somebody back there going. He just said hell. (laughs) I saw people back there like that right now. (sighs) Listen, if you don't want to hear about hell, there's a church down the street singing "Kumbaya, my lord." They're still, you know what I mean. They're down there. They'll never tell you about hell, but when you end up there, you won't have my, I won't have your blood on my hands because you just heard me tell you that it's a real place. And that you need to get your heart right with Christ, just like I did. Whoo, Choo-choo. The glory train's coming. <laughs> so I'm in the closet. I, before I did that, I called my mama. I, and I didn't call her to get her to convince me. She knew that I was dying in that moment. I said, goodbye, Mom. I love you. I was extreme, like it says on your hat. Thank you, Lord. Your hat right there. It was extreme. I said, goodbye, Ma. I said, tell my sister I love her. Tell my daughters I love them. I'm going now. She said, tried to talk me out of it. There was no talking me out of it. I was just saying goodbye. And I meant it. I had been three months meditating on this. And this was my resolve. I was writing poetry. You want to hear one of them? One of the poems was, The hounds of hell surround me. They hold me in their grasp as the flames breathe ever higher. Their hope, I breathe my last. You don't write stuff like that because you're happy inside, you know? <laughs> Watch this face before me with its worldly stare looking back before me with all its worldly cares. You're not like, you're not like out in Disneyland in that moment. it was real the fight was real and the enemy thought he was winning but god (laughs) god is able to make all grace abound to you even in your darkest moment there's a scripture in psalm 18 that says god hides in the darkness (laughs) you see i always picture that god hiding behind the darkness in your life and just when you think it's worse he's like hide i'm here right now you're like right now you come <laughs> come on <laughs> so i was like in that closet i called my mama she said i knew he was serious there was nothing i could do she said i i had two things i could do is what she said i could call the police they'll never get there in time because i was in the closet as soon as i hung up that phone and then she said or she said i can dance and sing she was a wild, charismatic warrior, like half the room here right now. (laughs) Because she had a vision, you see. Uh, About nine years before, she had a vision of her whole family on a mountaintop, hand in hand, singing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. (laughs) She said, I knew this wasn't the end. So she said, she started dancing around her room and singing. I mean, that's a powerful prayer right there. One of the most powerful ones is that you can laugh and, and rejoice and sing in the face of the worst thing. That you, Can you imagine hearing your son is about to kill himself and you knew it was real. And you're like, as for me and my house, we will serve. She said she, she, she had such peace come over in that moment. She went to bed and slept like a baby. And I was then entering into the closet. The worst part of my life. And <laughs> in the closet... With the cord around my neck, I'm now leaning forward. I was on my knees, and I studied this, you know. I'm leaning forward on that cord, and it's and it's tightening, and I'm blacking out. The stars are coming in. <laughs> it's funny now. <laughs> but as I was leaning forward, God goes, what are you doing? He's like he's hiding there. He, he stand, stands up, what are you doing? I've got a plan for your life now it was so compassionate what are you doing I got a plan for your life I went that's just my head like you know what I mean you're like you're trying to shake it off because I was resolved to this point and I thought that's just my mind so I just started leaning forward again and blacking. I guess what are you doing I've got a plan for your life now I knew it was God and that messed me up right I, and I knew it because I had gone through Bible school right studied all that I told you and And knew that if God was speaking right now, I might have to rethink this because maybe you know I hope heaven is real, but maybe now hell is real too, and I might be going there, and that's not a place I want to go to. so I ripped that off my neck, ran into my room, and I got on my bed, standing, and started jumping on the bed, waving my fist at God because I was so angry. I was like, "How dare you talk to me <laughs> After all these years, and passed out, passed out. You know talk. I was angry with God, but He loved me, and so I, I passed out. And then the, I had a full blown encounter. Thank you, Lord. Whew! The Lord pulled me out of my room and there's the spirit, and I mean it. Like Paul said, whether in the body or not, I think I was in the body at this point. I'm in the sky, looking down, going, ah. It was 400 feet down. I'm looking at the house I'm living in. And then I begin to fly like a Canadian goose, baby. A Canadian goose. And we're, (laughs) it's like, it's a V formation. And I'm flying like at this point, at the point. But you're not always at the point. Sometimes you're on the side. But at this point in the dream, I'm at the point, okay? (laughs) And we're flying. I see these towns in the distance. And it's nighttime. And the lights of the town. Are lit up, and these are little towns. And I land in the town, and when I do, I open up fire with a gun and start striking the dark shadows that are coming at me, which was demonic activity. And and the gun represents prophetic ministry, it represents supernatural ministry. Even in the atmosphere right now, things are shifting over people's lives. Some of you can feel it right now. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. You can feel the presence in here. You can feel God in here. That peace that you're feeling is none other than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. When he was crucified, he sent something in motion into the atmosphere, it caused a great ripple. <laughs> and boom, when that went out, and all of a sudden, it's like it was like a great wave began to go through all of time. And people began to be swallowed up into it by the grace of God. Yeah. Are you hearing me? <laughs> and whether, you know, the grace of God is wild because it's God who first speaks to you. He comes after you. You don't even know He's real, you don't even know He's there. But all of a sudden, you're hearing His voice, and the kindness and the compassion and the peace within it convinces you to say, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> By His grace, a great, and listen, I'm just declaring this, uh, because I I know Australia is being primed for a great revival. Many of you in this room, you see, it seems like there's quite a few in here, but really, we both know, we all know that this city is filled with people on the run. There's a lot of prodigals in Melbourne, let alone Australia, let alone the world. But listen, the power of the cross is this. You don't have to worry about them because God's going to get them. Are you hearing me? He's already got them. It's already done. It is finished. Jesus declared that. He declared that. It is finished. Boom. It was like a thunder. And listen, when when Jesus died, the veil was torn. (laughs) All of a sudden, we were able to enter into that place of the Spirit because of the power of what Jesus done on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice. We confess our sins, sure. We forgive one another, but God by, his, by the Holy Spirit does that in us. He says, now forgive them. And he says it so strongly. <sighs> okay, I forgive them. Because you can feel the peace in what you're about to do. God, they were, I just forgive them. <laughs> the leaders, the leaders, the leaders, they did something. I forgive them. <sighs> Because I want to remain in the presence, in the glory. So I saw that. I saw my prophetic future. I saw it. I saw the, my life. And I, I thought, that's good. But the church, I didn't like the church. took me two more years to find the church where I am still today, not by my choice. I, my choice, I'd probably be still in the gutter. Are you hearing me? I hated my pastor. That's a whole other message. I hated him for a long time. And God had to deliver me from that. You know, my pastor didn't hate me, but boy, did I give it to him. You know what I mean? Whew, you know, pastors get a hard job. Right? It's a lot easier to do what I'm doing in some ways. In some ways, it's harder. Because I'm going, anyway, that's another message. <laughs> but this is a hard job. Because people will spit on you. They'll rip your beard out they'll tell you you're no good one minute they're telling you you love them but you you know you ever have that like i love you pastor And you're there standing going i know you don't like me you're saying one thing coming out of your mouth but boy i got the spirit of discernment right now i know you'll you're you're i can feel your motivation you know what i mean and the lord says love them anyway (laughs) it's a hard job thank you lord I want to tell you more about Corinth. When I went there, I said, God, I don't want to be a Christian tourist. (laughs) I don't want to be a tourist. I'm not one of those guys like, I'm going to go on a cruise now. That's a waste of two weeks right there. (sighs) My risk comes in the journey. I said, God, I'm going there. Now, it was an awesome time. I was in Greece for two weeks. I got to go to the place Mars Hill, where Paul preached his sermon about the unknown God. Remember, and he began to declare Christ from that statue. I stood in that spot where he preached, and <laughs> it was a wild spot. In that spot on Mars Hill is like you could probably preach to a couple thousand in his day. But when you look up over your shoulder and you see where you're preaching, this is where the pantheon of gods is. There's nine temples, the false gods, over his shoulder. And they're looking powerful in the natural. Are you hearing me? There's a power in this land. Are you hearing me? And he's there and probably by himself. And he's declaring Christ into that place. To this day, and all of Greece, on top of mountains, there are churches established like monasteries on top of hills and at night there are crosses giant crosses that glow on top of the hills to this day that's the power that you walk in when you walk in the power of the cross saint xavier a wild man of god (laughs) all he wanted to do was be a martyr for the gospel's sake wanted to be cut down just just probably didn't like the world very much you know it's like, don't oh, just take me now. You ever pray that way? God, take me now. God, <laughs> this place stinks. Take me out. I want to be a martyr. Let me be a martyr for the gospel's sake. <laughs> uh, uh, martyrdom, is, you can live a martyred life without ever being killed for the gospel's sake. It's like dying daily. That's what it means to be a martyr. Dying to your own way. And sometimes that includes having to the, the be killed for the gospel's sake. Thankfully, you and I may probably never have to deal with that, right? But if I do, I'll deal with it. I'll be going, out, praise you, Jesus, in the flames. I'm, I'm serious right now. <laughs> I, I'll go anywhere God tells me to go, and I have. And I've been in some doozy spots as a result. But I, I was in Corinth, and and the first night I was there, they brought me to this church that didn't believe in prophecy. <laughs> I I said to the pastor before I went there, I said tonight I'll I'll prophesy over everybody here before I leave. He said, No, you won't. I went, Why? He said, They don't believe in prophecy. I said, I'm in Corinth. I said, <laughs> First Corinthians was written to this church right here, baby, right here. 12, 13, and 14 is all about the gifts of the Spirit and it's all about prophecy and this church don't believe in prophecy. He said, that's right. I said, well, that's weird. He said, well, just prophesy over them anyway, but call it something else. He said, just call it encouragement. I said, okay, I'll just encourage. I said, I'll encourage everybody now, you know, because some of them believe in prophecy, but they don't want to say it out loud. Come here, I'm going to give you a little encouragement right now. (laughs) a little comfort, a bit of edification. (laughs) And and so that night, they didn't believe in prophecy, but there was a woman demon-possessed there. And she fell out on the floor, started slithering like a snake, and for the next 20, no, it was 50 minutes, these guys who didn't believe really in the power of God tried to cast that thing out. And i got to tell you, that was the funniest 50 minutes. (laughs) I just sat there... (laughs) Chocolate at my seat <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh now i wasn't too worried because i know that that thing's coming out right <laughs> but I, I saw those guys listen you want to talk about i was like i wanted to take these young guys and bring them into like want not to do class right now because they were like totally <laughs> lathering their heads up with like olive oil So much so it was like dripping on the floor. And then they were taking that and putting it on that woman in places they should have never touched. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So they didn't believe in prophecy, but demons were all right. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to encourage anybody here, but if a demon shows up, we're on that thing. Right? (laughs) So the next night, I'm in a gypsy camp. 500 camp Uh, within Corinth (laughs) and these people are so poor you know what they do for a job they gather snails from the fields to sell to restaurants or they gather fruit from trees they live in houses that have cardboard walls and sometimes plastic taped over them because they can't afford to fix them but the joy in that place when I walked in there the guy greeted me at the door like this the pastor and it was in his house that we did this meeting well in that meeting there were two gypsy women there that looked like they just came out of the back room where they were like reading tea leaves i'm not just saying that they they look like what you would expect gypsy spiritists to look like i thought oh god (laughs) i just had an alice springs a witch run out of the room screaming i was declaring the fire of god coming the fire God is coming just like that she went out "Ah!" running out of the room (laughs) and the fire God struck the room and I I mean deliverance happened eight or nine salvations took place it's a war you may not like it but it's a war nevertheless you may be in denial (laughs) but it's a war I was just in Germany Berlin and a Nazi spirit rose up at me at the altar, looked at me like he wanted to take me out, wanted to cut me up. I could see it. And I rebuked him. I said, are you dishonoring my God? I just looked I said, you dishonoring my God right now? You be quiet, because he was getting loud. You be quiet. This is my God's time, not yours. He ran out the back. You know what he did? Cut somebody up outside the church the guy ran in all cut up at the altar wanting to take that guy out and i just walked there. i said peace be still Whew. i'm just telling you the truth guys you may not like what i'm saying but listen i love you <laughs> i love you guys but the church in the west needs to get some thicker skin if you're going to win this city for life, you need to know the battle is real. And those people are really struggling. And if you're going to win them, you got to stop worrying about a good little service, you know. There's going to be times that it may look ugly, but i am tell you what. If you continue to contend, you'll see full-fledged revival break out, and all of a sudden the enemy's on the run everywhere. <laughs> Whew. Besides, so you got some tough guys around some people who can handle it maybe you can't but they can god's got them everywhere (laughs) besides you're going to be tough too you're being trained as mighty warriors so i'm in this church and these ladies are there and i could they i mean they're translating into greek and having to translate into a gypsy language too so i thought i'm not preaching very long here you know what i mean So I preach maybe 15, 20 minutes on the love of God. Why? Because I'm in Corinth, baby. Come on. (laughs) I just said that God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. His destiny for you, his destiny for your life is amazing. Man, every morning when you wake up, you're going to smell the roses. It may look like this on the outside, but you're never far from the peace of God. You're always in the shelter. Even when it's bad, listen, even when it looks like your kids are on the run, even when it looks like you're the only one, even when it looks like the bank is after, even when it looks like your health is going down, Jesus is there. And he's going to calm the storm. Why? Because he loves you. I said, so I love that part of Corinth, because listen, I can prophesy over everybody in the room and will if you stick around. Although I think there's a chicken shop open next door, and if you're really hungry. I imagine you can go there too, okay? But if you want a prophetic word, I will release one over you today, and we're going to see signs and wonders if you don't mind. And even if you do mind, I want you right up here anyway. <laughs> if not, I'll come after you. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> the violent take it by force, you know. So I'm in this room, and those two ladies are there, and I thought I got to prophesy over them first. Or the stronghold. <laughs> I said, come here. They stood up, and I just began to release what God had. I couldn't tell you what. But they broke, like something in their heart just broke, and they began to cry. And they were older. And I mean, the gypsies look older than they are, okay? They look like uh, they may have been 65 to 70, but they looked a lot older than that because they've worked so hard. Uh, they're young, Mary at 15. They're having children at 16, 17, and 18, right? They told me don't treat them like they're kids because they're not. They're, they're adults when they're younger. So this lady is there, and I, and I prophesy over her, and then the other old lady gets up, and I prophesy over and she gives her heart to the Lord because the guy with me, has a, a, he's an evangelist anointing, and everywhere in the last year, he's like led 80 people to the Lord. His church in three years has grown to about 500 in Greece, and he's believing for thousands more, and he's believing that he's going to be the prime minister of Greece. Woo! you imagine, (laughs) believing for TV ministries on TV and in that land too. So I believe he will, you know. So I'd say, okay, and he'd go there and she'd give her heart to the Lord. Then the next one gave her heart to the Lord. And then I said, because of what you guys did today, I just began to say this, your whole family is going to be touched by the power of God. Your whole family is going to be touched. Well, that night four of one member's family gave their hearts to the Lord after they were prophesied over and three from the other plus four more adults I think I'm doing the math right anyway it was about 13 adults came to Christ that night and they weren't in the meeting okay there was only about 15 or 20 people in the meeting but when they would get prophesied over they'd run out you gotta come in here there's a guy in here who'll tell you everything you ever knew just like that and then somebody would pop up in the door I'd say come here And I'd prophesy over them, then send them to Demetrius. Then another one would pop up in the door. And that went on for about an hour and a half. And now I was in Greece, and they didn't like signs and wonders. They heard about gold dust, and they didn't like it. You know what I mean? I said to God before I went there, I'm so sick of this. (laughs) I said, everywhere I go, you send me God. They don't like gold dust. And then, you know, people are standing up calling me a liar. I've had people say I'm a liar. I don't know how many times. I've run out of counting. I'm a liar. It's the spirit of sweat, brother. You know what I mean? It's sweat. I'm like, does sweat come in green, blue, and red? Like, you know what I mean? Like, settle down, please. And I mean, I've had to rebuke people and then prophesy over them, love them anyway. You know what I mean? Whew, I mean it's hard and I thought I'm not God this is your problem in Greece I mean I don't even speak the language I don't even want you know I, like if you want this to happen it's your problem that's what I said I don't know why I said that but I said that now I mean Corinth I said to God before they went there I want to see miracles like Paul saw in Corinth okay so there's a little guy beside me I wouldn't want to say he was a kid because he's probably about to be married he was about 14 or so okay but he was a young guy and I looked over and his face was glowing there was like red and green, what I call glory dust, but it was like neon. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like a billboard on his face, and it was just glowing. But well, anyway, before that, the pastor said he didn't believe in gold dust until his mouth broke out in gold. All over his lips, there's gold. Starts spreading all over his clothes. Uh, another one there didn't believe in it, but silver broke out all over their lips, and then it spread. When it would happen, I'd go... they were like this is what it is that's what it is not trying i had somebody there from a famous church in america saw that called me a liar (laughs) right to my face why is this happening with you just like that i was like it's not me it's the holy Spirit. It's god this is not what happens is people get jealous and think it's you it's not me it's always and only about jesus amen God's no respecter of persons. Is he, Reese? You've seen it happen. Woo! Are you hearing me? God is no respecter of persons. The miracles are not for one person. They're for everybody. That's God's treasure to the church. And he wants you to walk in signs and wonders. And I declare you will. The same miracles. It's not about me. It's about God. Always and only. So in that room his face lit up. And I'm almost done. His face lit up, and I started dragging him around the room. And that person from that big known church got angry again. <laughs> Why you? It's not me. This is not me. This is Jesus doing this, not me, right? It's all about Jesus. This is to show Jesus is real, right? This is what the miracles are for. Every miracle that takes place is a sign and wonders, all of them, Acts 2 22, is to accredit the gospel of jesus christ it's sort of like a seal to show that jesus christ is real amen so i started dragging that guy around the room and all the kids were like they were like they were excited the children seven or eight of them ran to demetrius to give their hearts to christ because of miracles signs and wonders but they rebuked the kids they i they went not are too young to get saved. I said, Are you kidding? I, I got upset because, whoo! I remember encounters when I was that age, you know. <laughs> like, are you serious? Jesus said, Suffer not the little children to come unto me, and you're suffering them not? They anyway, went, well, I never thought of that. I said, These kids, they're, they're, they're having an encounter right now. If they have 10 encounters in their life and they say 10 times, Jesus, come into my heart, what's that to you? Right? How many of us have had more than one salvation we thought experience? you know? I've had so many I forgot. Because <laughs> salvation is like a lifelong thing. We're, we're being brought out of the ashes to live eternally.